So I did a pregnancy test and I had two very faint lines and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, am I pregnant? And I was like, no, 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 it's really, really faint. So I think I went down the street and bought another four pregnancy tests. <laughs> and <laughs> just to be I just sure. kept doing them. So and like then that, isn't it? they all had the two lines. And then I rang my mom and I was just like, Mom, what happens if you if you do a pregnancy test and there's two red lines, but they're really faint, but I did five <laughs> tests? And she's like, I think you're pregnant. <laughs> Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, motherhood, relationships, kids, and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. So take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Talking in Common. I am Kate and as always I'm joined by my beautiful, lovely co-host Sophie. Oh, an intro. Hi babe. Hello my love. How are you going today? Um, a bit hungover to be honest. Ah. <laughs> Don't you set you me up like that. a little bit hungover. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Tried my best. I'm wearing a shirt, a collared shirt today to feel a little bit more wholesome and feel a little bit more together. You know what? You just do what you got to mm. do. You actually don't. You look beautiful. (laughs) So today we are here to talk about our thoughts and experiences with all things pregnancy related. We are. From preparing for pregnancy, getting pregnant, the effect it has on our brains. We're even going to chat about my experience with pregnancy loss. So this is really important for me and it's it's not something I have spoken about much before. It really can feel like such an isolating experience, although it is not uncommon. It can affect up to one in four pregnancies. Mm. I hope by sharing my story, I may bring some comfort to others who have suffered from miscarriage. And Soph... You have some really beautiful book suggestions that may help any of our listeners with the postpartum period in sharing is caring today. But first, let's start with what we've got in common this week. Let's do it. Well, are you hungover too? Um, I feel fresh as a daisy today. Right, okay, so that's a no. So we've- Monday was a different story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us about that, why don't you? Shots in the afternoon. You know, one thing led to another. <laughs> Me and my husband were having a good old time and we ended up having a few shots of tequila. We were still very, very capable of parenting, I may add. sure. I love how you guys Um, do shots. It's classic. Shots, shots, shots. (laughs) And I was like, this is fine. I'm still in bed by, you know, nine o'clock. I felt pretty rubbish on Monday, I have to say. So we have that in common. Yeah, okay. This week. So we do have that in common. Well, that's cool. What were you out doing? I just went, uh, like you said, you're in bed by 9 30. I was home by quarter to 10. That was my wild night out. Ooh. But the early mornings don't stop. Like the kids oh, aren't going to hold off when you've gone out and had a little bit of fun and had a few drinks. So you got to ease into it, I think. All right. Well, enough about that. Enough about our drinking antics. Yeah. Don't make us look so irresponsible. Now I tell you what else <laughs> is quite funny that we do have in common that we were talking about the other day, a new discovery we learned about each other that, you know, from mm. time to time we like to clean in the nude. <laughs> oh, stop it. Okay. That is true. I have found in these past few months that cleaning in the nude is amazing. I love it. I mean, why would you not clean in the nude? Well, it's a funny time um, that we've been at home so much this year. I have become a bit like over the top with cleaning the house because you're in the house so much. So 
I'm like down on my hands and knees, like scrubbing, you know, with a toothbrush (laughs) scrubbing. Well, no. So what happened was I was cleaning the bathroom, like quite literally on my hands and knees, scrubbing the floors. And, you know, when you clean the bathroom, it's like all wet and... I get all hot and flustered. I don't really want to get all my clothes wet (laughs) and stuff. So I just started peeling off the layers. And then before you know it, then you can just finish cleaning the shower by having a shower, stepping in and having a shower. So there I was on my hands and knees. Aiden actually came home and he was like, woo woo. I was like, <laughs> oh, stop it. I'm like, you know. Lucky him. So unglamorous with rubber gloves and, and sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough about cleaning in the nude because, yes, I'm sure we do not need to share. No, no, any no. More wait, wait, wait. Why do you clean in the mood? No, stop. In the nude. I was actually mopping the floor one day. I'd vacuum mopping and I was just in my dressing mm. gown. Oh, glamorous once yeah. again. And I got, I was getting really agitated. My kids were like making more mess in the other room that I just cleaned. Yeah, right. And I was getting flustered. And the next minute I just ripped off my dressing <laughs> gown and I was butt naked <laughs> and I was mopping that floor. And I was like, I cannot believe I've never done this yeah. before. Life changing. Mackie walked in like, what is going on? But I'm not <laughs> complaining. And, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, just a bit of fun. At least we um, have found comfort in that similarity <laughs> in each other. <laughs> but you're right. We do have some really interesting topics and we want to dive in deep. Let's talk about some of the things that we've been speaking about recently, which one of them being how much pregnancy changes our brains. And I loved reading and researching this topic because as we all know it's a very common thing for forgetfulness or confusion or you know a bit of brain fog yeah labeled baby brain and it's just kind of reassuring to know that there's a lot of science to back up why these things do happen. So we were reading some interesting articles and some things that we found was that pregnancy actually re-sculpts a woman's brain for at least two yeah, years. it's a long time, especially if you have more babies and your brain's just like, woo, woo. That's how my brain feels a bit today, a bit all over the place. But so grey matter actually shrinks in areas involved in processing and responding to social signals. So this can mean that new mothers' brains are more effectively wired in areas that allow them, for instance, to respond to their baby's needs or to detect threatening people mm. or things in their environment and even to love and bond with their baby. Yeah. It makes so much sense though, doesn't it? It's really interesting. I think I read that literally from conception onwards, your brain kind of reinvents itself right alongside our hormonal bodies, of course. And what it does is sort of like prunes the neural pathways that you don't need to use as much, making room for environments that might be threatening or scary or setting yourself up to not only protect, but also to love and bond with your baby and your child. The body is so incredible. Yeah, isn't it? like yeah. So not only your physical body is transforming, but um, you know your brain's sort of busily transforming as well, and and reshaping your your mind to become a mother. And I just think that that's so amazing. But also, like I said, reassuring that we're not just going crazy. Also, like a lot of the brain fog and forgetfulness that obviously has a lot to do with sleep deprivation yeah, as well. Of course. So you know, even when we aren't pregnant or we don't have new babies and we are super tired, you know, we are forgetful. Mm. So it kind of makes sense, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's studies that show that the difference between a mother's brain before getting pregnant and after childbirth is profound, you know. They've looked at scans of women's brains and you can tell if a woman has been pregnant just by looking at her brain. Whoa. Yeah. 
every pregnant woman or or mother out there should know this and um, hopefully find some comfort in knowing that, you know, <laughs> leaving your keys under the pillow or in the letterbox or in the fridge. Oh, my God, my phone in the fridge the other day. <laughs> I don't. Perfect example. I love that when you said to me, sorry, babe, I didn't get back to you last night. I couldn't find my phone anywhere. And I found it this morning in the fridge. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> that is the perfect example, right? I also read another interesting, uh, actually it was another podcast that I was listening to all about infertility and I just felt like it's worth mentioning here because, I mean, so infertility sort of refers to when a couple have been unable to conceive after 12 months of unprotected sex. So fertility continues to decline and it's at the lowest rates that it's ever been. And there's a lot of studies and discussions around what's contributing to that, you know, obvious things like the general age of women trying to conceive these days in our Western society is much older than it usually is. One of the really interesting contributing factors was around diet and nutrition. I just felt like that was quite scary. You know, the statistics on chronic disease, children with autism, even obesity, depression, anxiety, all this sort of stuff is all higher than ever and has these links to nutrition and diet and how the way we eat today really affects our hormones and therefore affects our fertility. So, you know, I think that's an an important sort of factor if you are at a stage in your life where you are ready to have a baby and you want to prepare yourself, you know, like wholesome yeah. whole foods and a healthy diet, I believe is is really important. Did you do anything to prepare for your pregnancy? I was in a stage where I was ready and we sort of had made the decision to start trying. So I did do a few things to prepare, one of them being, I mean, I like to eat quite diverse sort of healthy diet anyway, but I wanted to get fitter. I started running for the first time in my life and actually really enjoyed it and ran up until about like 28 weeks. Wow, that's Um, amazing. I mean, when I say running, like I was just doing I was just jogging. <laughs> a light jog. Yeah, a light jog. I really got into yoga and found that that was really good for me mentally because it sort of allowed me the time to really connect and listen to my body and feel connected to the growing baby, which was really cool. I did take a high quality multivitamin that I think you suggested to me. A few of our friends did suggest it, but I think it was you. Yeah. I think it was you actually that suggested to me to take it a few months prior. Yeah, trying to conceive. Yeah. yeah. So I took one called Trezos Natal and it's full of all yeah. the vital minerals and and vitamins to prepare the body for conception, but also for a really healthy fetal development as well. So yeah, there was a yeah. few things that I did. What about you? When you had Nina, you you just sort of fell pregnant. Yeah, I so I didn't really do much in terms of preparing for my pregnancy with mm-hmm. Nina because as much as we were sort of trying but not trying at the same mm-hmm. time, it happened super quickly. So yeah. yeah, I didn't necessarily change any of my habits as such. Didn't um, get the chance. But <laughs> did not but get you were also a bit I younger was, um, as well. So that's they say that that's always helpful in, in conceiving, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess I, I was living a relatively healthy lifestyle. I mean, I was definitely... <laughs> Relatively. I was definitely... <laughs> what yeah, are you talking about? We were like partying at the time. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yes, we definitely were. This is prior to falling pregnant, I, I just need yeah. to add in. Yeah. But, you know, I did exercise and I ate pretty good most of the time so yeah 
Yeah. So when you yes. fell um, pregnant, would, did someone suggest to you to take the multi- yeah, vitamins and things or was that more in your second yeah, pregnancy? Yep. That- no, I, I definitely started as soon as I found out I was pregnant. Yep. And then prior to falling pregnant the second time around, I was already kind of taking vitamins because I knew that I wanted mm. to have a second baby. I was trying to consciously be a little bit more healthy. I definitely yep. was quite active during my, both my pregnancies, but I did a lot of Pilates because I did suffer from quite bad pelvic girdle pain or pelvic instability. Uh, that, that didn't too. come until I was about 28 or 29 weeks with Nina. So up until that point, I was able to be quite active. But second time around, it came back. I was like eight or nine weeks and I knew I was already feeling feeling that discomfort. So mm. I just did anything that I could to kind of stay on top of strengthening and looking after myself during pregnancy. So what was your pregnancy experience like with Nina? So I had been feeling a little bit more tired than normal, mm-hmm a little bit nauseous, mm-hmm. did a pregnancy test. My period was also a couple of days mm-hmm. late, which is often a sign. And I had two very faint lines and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, am I pregnant? And I was like, no, 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 it's really, really faint. So I think I went down the street and bought another four pregnancy tests. <laughs> and <laughs> just to be I just sure. kept doing them. So and like then, that, isn't it? Yeah. They all had the two lines and I just freaked out. I was so excited. I was beside myself. Um, my husband, Mackie, was at work and I was trying to ring him, but he was in a meeting and didn't have his phone. So I literally just kept calling and calling and then I rang my mom and I was just like, mom, what happens if you if you do a pregnancy test and there's two red lines, but they're really faint, but I did five <laughs> tests. She's like, I think you're pregnant. <laughs> Oh, that's and, so sweet. Yeah, I was just beside myself. So it was Mackie. We were really, mm. really excited for this new stage in our life. And mm. But pretty quickly I did have pretty bad nausea, but just for the first trimester, apart from that, I felt great throughout my pregnancy. So mm. other than the nausea at the beginning and the discomfort in my pelvis. Mm. Yeah, pregnancy really suits you. Complain. I think you should do it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I think you should do it again. Oh, gosh, I don't know Thanks, about babe. that. What about you? How did you feel when you found out? Um, I was so shocked. I was in disbelief. You know, of course, I had a similar experience. Had the stick come up with the lines, although mine were very solid positive lines because I was already about three or four or five weeks or something when I first found out. Yeah. So I just sort of sat in the, like, you know, I was on the toilet and I just looked at the little stick with the lines and just some tears sort of started, you know, falling from my eyes. And I just was just full of emotion. It was like happy, scary, so unsure, just everything all in that one sort of moment. It was crazy. Yeah. So I really want to talk to you now, Kate, all about your experience with pregnancy loss in between your two beautiful little cherubs that you have now you did suffer from a miscarriage and as you said earlier this is not something that you've talked about a lot in the past but I know it's important to you to share your story and just to have this conversation to bring some awareness and comfort to others that have experienced something similar so at what stage in your pregnancy was it that you found out and realized what had happened? Ah, So that's actually, that's a good question. Essentially, I had what is called a missed miscarriage or can be known as a silent miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So it's where the fetus is no longer alive, but the body doesn't recognize the pregnancy loss. 
Right, um, okay. So it doesn't expel the pregnancy tissue, I guess, in, in medical terms. And as a result, the placenta may still continue to release hormones and you can still continue to experience signs of pregnancy. Right. So your body's still sort of going on yeah. um, as it should without realising that what has happened yet. Yeah. So okay. I was actually still really early into my pregnancy and I was experiencing a lot of nausea, I was exhausted, all the usual kind of first trimester symptoms. Mm -hmm. So to me, I saw them as good signs because usually they are and it's all Mm. the things that most pregnant women go through. Mm. And you'd already experienced a pregnancy. so you. I had. It was my second pregnancy. So I think I found out that I was pregnant. I was only about five weeks or so and we had consciously been trying to have a baby, second Mm -hmm. baby, and it happened pretty quickly. So we were really, really excited. Mm, Naturally. (sighs) It was when we went off for our first appointment, first scan. I think I was eight or nine weeks and obviously I knew my obstetrician well so we had the you know initial banter back and forth and we were all excited to be back in the in that space and then he got me to lay up on the bed as you do to do the the scan just to have a look and check the baby's heartbeat and he just kind of went silent in the room and for quite a while and I guess I was sort of looking at my husband who was standing there, who was looking at him, who was looking mm. at the screen. And it felt like a really long time, but it it wasn't. It was, I suppose, quite quick. And he just kept saying, oh, I'm just having a little bit of trouble picking up on the heartbeat. He's like, I'm just going to do a, an internal examination because often um, when you are quite early along in your pregnancy, they can see more by doing it internally. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so he did that and... Then I just could tell by the look on his face and he just said, I'm really sorry. Mm. Um, the, the, there's no heartbeat. And uh. it was, yeah, it was a really, um, it was a really tough moment. Mm. I, I kind of, it, I almost went into this out-of-body experience where I really felt like I just could not, I, it was like I wasn't in the room. I felt like I was dreaming. I felt, mm. I just felt really, really numb I think Mm, and sort of disconnected from that news that you'd heard or something yeah and then it becomes quite a I don't know what you could call the process like a bit clinical because yeah I almost have to kind of get up put my clothes back on go into the other room with the midwife who I had to fill out paperwork and I'm kind of thinking whoa hang on a minute I've just found out that I no longer am you know I have got a miscarriage and now I'm filling out paperwork and Well, that was going to be my next question. You know, we'll get into more about how it affected you emotionally and how it made you feel. But, yeah, what were the sort of physical and medical implications? What was the process once you had received the news? So because I hadn't had a a miscarriage, I guess it was the missed miscarriage, so my body hadn't sort of gotten naturally rid of the pregnancy tissue Mm. and and the fetus as such, mm-hmm. I had to go in for a procedure a couple of days later where I went under an anaesthetic and I probably don't need to go into too much detail, but the my obstetrician did what he had to do and yep. that was that really. Mm. So that all happened quite quickly. Within two days. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, I really found in those two days I was going like, I still kept thinking like, this isn't happening like maybe he just didn't pick up on the heartbeat, like I'm sure it's mm. all fine. And obviously I was 
just in a bit of denial. Mm, I think that's probably a very natural reaction, yeah. you know, to not want to accept it and to go into denial for sure with such devastating news. I think that's only natural. So after after you had that appointment and after you found out that news, what did you and your husband do that day? How did you deal with it initially? Oh, God, I'm trying to think back to that time. Whew, I really feel like we really went home and I suppose just kind of shut the rest of the world out for maybe about mm. four days. And I think, you know, I think that's it's okay to do that. I just I didn't feel like seeing anybody. I didn't really feel like obviously talking about it at this time. Mm. And I really just needed to just grieve, just mm. I mean, we spoke about it. We went through stages of not speaking about it, speaking about it, just yeah, just spending time together. But ultimately the fact that we had an 18-month-old mm. daughter, my daughter Nina Rose, that was such a blessing because in a way it was a really good distraction and it made me, yeah. you know, realise, look how lucky I am that I had this beautiful, healthy baby girl mm. and, you know, she brings us so much joy and happiness. So she was a really good distraction in that time. Yeah. Did this affect your relationship in any way? I mean, maybe it had a negative effect, maybe it had a positive effect. How did you guys work through this? Uh, you know, as we've said, everyone deals with these types of situations completely differently and I think a lot of people after having a miscarriage, some people just could not even think about trying for another baby straight away. They need a lot of time to heal and, you know, it's a, it's a scary scary process mm. um but I pretty quickly I was like no we want to have another baby and I really had my mindset on falling pregnant again so as soon okay. as I got the all clear from my obstetrician um we you know it was about a month or two after we started trying again but mm-hmm. it did have a it had an interesting effect on that because Mackie really knew how much I wanted this baby and he really mm. wanted another baby. So for him, I think it became this process of my, my job is to get my wife pregnant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She wants to get pregnant. We need to have a baby, but it's really, really hard not to overthink it. You don't want to be thinking about these things. No, no. And then the worry about something going wrong again, that was just something that never left my mind. Still yeah. doesn't till this today. Yeah, I bet. So do you think by turning around and saying, let's look to the future, let's try this again, you know, we both want to have another child together, let's move forward and and start trying. Do you think that was partly the process of kind of getting over that experience at the same time? I think so. And look, one thing that we used to reassure ourselves a lot, which is what my obstetrician had said to me, look, basically mother nature has made this decision for you. It wasn't Mm. meant to be. In some ways, it's good that it happened early on before you were too far into the pregnancy. And, you know, he did some testings to see if there was a particular thing that had caused it, but Mm. there was nothing. So it was purely just it wasn't meant to be. Mm. Now let's like move on and let's focus Mm. on life in what's in front of us. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't told that there was necessarily obvious or sort of medical reason why it happened. No. So was there at any stage um, a time where you had blamed yourself or blamed your physical body or, you know, felt guilty that it was your your fault in any way? I, look, I think those thoughts definitely went through my head at certain times and mm. I think also went through Mackie's head as well. 
But the thing with miscarriage is often it's not caused by anything. It's just it just happens and it can't be explained, which that kind of makes it hard sometimes too because you mm. don't know why it happened. No, and sometimes um, it's just good to be able to blame something, isn't it? Or at least have an answer or know the reason why. Yeah. With no reason it can be really difficult. So, yeah, we didn't have a reason and that was that. Yeah. So you're a very positive person and you also have a beautiful, supportive partner. So it's beautiful that you guys were able to put it into perspective and move on and get through it together. So I think having Mm. his support at that time was just so important because as much as he was, you know, grieving himself and it's it's you know it's a hard thing because obviously to me it was a real internal thing like it was a physical something that I I suppose I I felt mm. whereas I think obviously Mackie was more removed from that mm. so we were grieving in completely different ways ways but yeah the fact that he essentially put some of I guess the way that he was grieving he wasn't showing me as much he was trying to focus on helping me get through that time, which I suppose naturally his he would have felt like his responsibility was to play the part of being the supportive partner to you because, yeah. you know, there's nothing, it's quite out of his control what had happened. And it's really interesting though to sort of reflect on how our partners cope through different things, you know, being a female, being a woman, the ones that experience pregnancies and things like this, it's sometimes hard to kind of relate to maybe what your partner might be feeling. Absolutely. But I think they definitely, you know, struggle with things in completely different ways. Yeah. And I have no doubt, you know, Mackie's a beautiful, sensitive, caring, loving guy and I have no doubt that he would have found it an extremely difficult time as well. Yeah, I think he, I I think he's quite, I think for both of us it has it really affected my pregnancy with my second daughter, Lulu, because especially for me, I was so anxious throughout the whole pregnancy. Mm. I was just so worried that something was going to go wrong, Mm. you know, throughout the birth. And now she's here and she's beautiful and she's perfect. And, Mm. you know, I couldn't have had a better experience, but I think the miscarriage really did affect that whole pregnancy and and for Mackie as well. I mean, he says that felt really anxious throughout the whole period yeah. as well. Well, he actually made a comment the other day, didn't he, when, you know, I always egg you guys on, come on, have another baby, let's do it <laughs> together, finally we can have our time to do it together. You always used to say to me when you were, I think before even you are pregnant with Nina, like, come on, one day we're going to get pregnant together. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we were at different stages at different times but – um. You know, now I I like to return the favour by egging you on. And I think by what Mackie's response was that, you know, he was obviously a little bit traumatised by that whole experience because he sort of made a comment like, we've got our two beautiful girls, I couldn't be happier and that experience was stressful or I, I don't know what word he used, but he sort of made it quite obvious that he didn't want to experience that kind of anxiety or stress over... I think it's definitely put a, a fear into both of us about ever wanting to have another baby. And yeah. I know that, you know, we moved on from the miscarriage and we had a healthy baby, mm. but just all the emotions that came with that, I don't I don't think personally it's something that 
you'll um, ever forget or I will ever forget or I yeah. would want to go through again. So mm, mm. we've got two beautiful, healthy babies. Like let's not play around with that. Let's just focus mm. on what we've got. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful, you know, that's beautiful too. So how how long after was it that you did fall pregnant with Lulu? Yeah, so the miscarriage all happened in early August mm-hmm. and then I found out I was pregnant with Lulu at the beginning of December. Mm, okay. So, but bear in mind there was about an eight-week period where we weren't trying to conceive okay. after I'd had the procedure done. Okay. Post miscarriage. And is that so a couple um, of months? Yeah. Is that sort of regular procedure? Not you have to wait a certain time. Yeah, you go back and they do again? a bit of a scan just to make sure that everything's back to normal, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. Well, that's amazing that it happened so quickly. And I bet you guys were relieved once you heard that news. <laughs> so relieved. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you feel about it now? You know, a few years down the track, do you still think about it? Well, it's, it's yeah, it's so two years just two years ago now. I do. I mm. actually said to Mackie the other day, I think about it every single day. Wow. Really? So it's, wow. And to, to different levels. It's not, I'm not, I don't get upset about it every single day. I just, I acknowledge it and I have a thought mm. about it at some point mm. in every single day. And it was really early in the pregnancy. And I know people have miscarriages at much later stages of the pregnancy but mm. everyone's experience is you know completely different and and people mm. respond to it differently and for me I don't know it's just I, I think about it every day yeah right wow um, something so significant that just clearly never leaves you so what would you say to others that may have experienced something similar you know you sort of just briefly mentioned that everybody you know everybody's experience would be very vastly different Look, uh, you know, as I said, people grieve and people deal with things in different ways and I think it's good to to talk about it with those people close to you. I mean, you might not want to mm. speak about it with everyone, but I think this is part of the issue is no one really speaks about it still. Like, mm, And it I makes know. it this thing, you know, if you say to someone, oh, I actually had a miscarriage, people get really like, oh, and they don't know how to respond. So mm. I, I remember a perfect example of seeing a friend not long after it had happened and they said to me, oh, I was convinced the last time I saw you that you were pregnant. But oh. obviously like you weren't and I was like, oh, I actually was. I had a was. miscarriage. And it was yeah. this like awkward moment of, you know, obviously that friend was really, um, you know, they were, they were beautiful about it but they didn't know how to like, what do you Respond. say to that? Yeah. So I think, you yeah. know, sharing it with the people close to you and, and talking about it when you when you want to talk about it is really important, you know, and mm. acknowledging what's happened and and don't let it deter you from going and trying again for another baby because for me, I was lucky that my next experience of trying has given us beautiful baby Lulu. Yeah, so. yeah that's exactly right. I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's much more common than I think people realize sort of a topic that is it's still something that I think people still suffer silently from and I think a lot of it is to do with other people's reactions absolutely Um, 
So I think, you know, if you have an experience like this and you are a friend or a, or a family member of someone that does, you know, just think about your response and your actions and yeah. how that might make people feel and I think that's And checking in. Important. If you know that as someone has experienced that or they have opened up to you, instead of going, you know, a few weeks later or a few months later, oh, no, I don't want to bring it up because they might get upset or they might mm. not want to talk about it, just check in, you know, how are you going, like mm. how are you feeling, because from my experience, you know, you still are thinking about it and very much grieving it. Mm. Um, yeah, well, like you, you said know, before, for weeks I had, and months after. Yeah, so. I had no idea that you know that was something that you still thought about every day. Yeah, and you know, I'll admit, I'm I'm definitely guilty of that of not bringing it up with you and within our friendship because I wasn't aware of how you felt about it still, and now I know. I feel so much more comfortable being more open with asking how how you are and yeah. and that's really important isn't it Yeah it definitely makes a difference to talk about it and I mean we in my um my marriage we don't talk about it that often we mm. we find it quite hard to talk about it mm, with each other just because it was such a intense highly emotional time and yet we're very open and honest with each other but I guess it takes us back to a really hard time and place and how you deal with that internally whether that's internally in your own mind or internally in your own family or relationship then that's completely up to you but from a more sort of public community perspective I think being there for people that have been through this sort of traumatic experience it's so vital and so important to be the bigger person and and just check in check in on the people that you care about and ask the questions so (sighs) So on that note, I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing more detail into that experience with me today and, you know, for sharing it with the world as well. Thank you. And I just actually should mention that as much as I've said I don't, you know, I'm probably not going to have another baby, I did go on to have a perfectly healthy Mm. baby with no complications after having suffering from a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So I hope that can give comfort to anybody else who who goes through the yeah, same thing. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, um, <laughs> let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. So let's get into sharing is clear. All right. Well, I chose some really beautiful books that I wanted to share today, which are relative to what we've been speaking about. And especially, you know, after just hearing your story, these books might be quite comforting to some people that are already pregnant or trying to conceive or have just had a baby or all of the above. So the first one was a beautiful book that you lent me. It's called The Golden Month and it's by Jenny Allison. And it's a sweet little book. It's a sort of a holistic approach to the whole postnatal care stage of the mother. Jenny Allison, the author, is an acupuncturist, I think, and also a teacher. And she spent like a decade researching this book. It's hugely researched and she's used, you know, some amazing resources through her travels and exploration to put this book together, which combines heaps of practices from different cultures throughout the world. And the aim of the book really is to sort of debunk the anxiety-inducing myth of having the perfect postpartum body. So there's like beautiful reminders and mantras and even really nice recipes, really wholesome recipes that are important for this postpartum period. Explains the importance of nutrition, which I love. And it's just such a 
was a really nice comforting reminder. I actually went back to it after I had honey and reread some of it just to remind yeah. myself that it is an important time to look after yourself. Yeah, yeah look and respect yes, your body. Exactly. My husband actually bought this during my second pregnancy. So I read this during my second pregnancy and it really gave me the knowledge and I guess inspiration to approach my postnatal period with a different approach to the Mm. first time around. And I found the book so comforting, really informative, and it really changed Mm. my entire outlook on the postnatal period. So I as well Mm -hmm. could not recommend this book anymore. It's it's, it's a yeah. great read. And the other one that I just wanted to mention as well is called The First 40 Days and it's by an author called Heng Wu. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. It's O-U. And this was recommended to me by a naturopath during my pregnancy and it also focuses on the rest and recovery for a new mother and it's based on the author's own postpartum experience of this period of life and it's full of beautiful recipes that are nourishing for the mother and it's all about this kind of it's described as reviving the lost art of caring for the mother after birth and I love that because I feel like it is lost we talk about this all the time and people are probably going to be sick of hearing it but (laughs) I do feel like it is a bit of a lost art in our society and um Again, I, I found, you know, those sort of pressures of having to, having your body bounce back and get back to work and get back to life and stuff out of, after having a baby, I felt all, all those pressures were like a lot to deal with. So Such unnecessary pressure. Such unnecessary pressure. That you don't need. You've got enough going on. You're so vulnerable at that time. You and do you've not been need blessed with pressures. a child and it's such a miracle. Your done an amazing thing. Mm, just a couple of books that are a beautiful reminder that it's okay to take that time and nurture and allow your body to heal and prepare yourself for the huge next chapter of your life. I didn't realize, but there's another book called Awakening Fertility by the same author. So I haven't seen that one. Oh, I think I've actually heard about that book. Yeah. I haven't read it, but it's meant to be good. I so if I've you're read. in that stage and you're interested in recipes and advice and natural remedies for trying to conceive, then I'm sure that one's really good as well. So that that's my sharing is caring today. Yay. Well, today has been lovely to chat with you, yeah. Soph, and I actually feel um, like that was a bit therapeutic talking about my miscarriage with you today. So thank you. I hope we've brought some comfort to other people as well. Thank you, guys. We will talk soon. Chat soon. Bye. Bye, babe. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. And as always, thanks for listening.